This is Living Catholic with Father Don Wolf. Living Catholic is a fresh look at issues confronting each of us today. This show deals with living Catholic, what that means for Catholics, as well as the impact on the rest of society. You certainly don't have to be Catholic to enjoy this show. And now your host, Father Wolf. Welcome Oklahoma to Living Catholic. I'm Father Don Wolf, pastor at St. Eugene in Oklahoma City. I want to talk today about, well, about how God speaks to us. Look, we talk about it all the time. It's part of what we know and what we do. We have a million examples, and yet it's hard for us really to get a hold of the notion. But it's what we believe in. When a woman graduates from high school and doesn't know what to do, what do we do? We tell her to go into church, kneel down, and consult God's will for her, and we presume God will answer in a way that she can focus on and listen to. It's really the same when we focus on vocations, isn't it? Lots of young people have considered the option of religious life or priesthood, but they think it might be impossible for them or that they probably or mightn't be able to do it. So we tell them, men and women, to take some quiet time, maybe separate themselves from the busy world, and then listen to the voice of God in their hearts. We want them to open themselves to what God wants for them, and they do. And when they do, God speaks to them. When somebody comes out of a hospital room after having lost his mother, we remind him that he could go to the chapel and offer his pain to God's care. And we tell him that God will respond to him. And God speaks back. God speaks back when we speak to him. At least we presume it to be so. It's not just something we say to get the hurt and the confused off of our backs. We say it because it's true. And a thousand other examples. We presume God speaks to people, and when he speaks, he directs their lives. It's all over the scriptures, too. God spoke to Abraham in order to begin forming his people. He called him out of the urban world of Ur of the Chaldees and into the pastoral frontier in Canaan. And Abraham responded. He left everything behind, took his family, and headed west into a whole new life because God called, and he heard, and then he acted. It was the same with Jacob, who wrestled with an angel all night long. And we know the word angel was the euphemism for God. So Jacob wrestled with God all night long. Finally, as the sun was coming up, Jacob demanded to know who this unknown combatant was. And this mysterious person refused to tell him, but he did rename him Jacob. He renamed Jacob and gave him the name Israel, which means he who struggles with God. Jacob didn't just listen. He was given his new name from God. It was a direct action. And, of course, the most famous person in the, in the Old Testament, having spoken with God, was Moses. Four of the first five books of the Old Testament are basically the account of what God said to Moses. And the most famous of all accounts of listening to a message from God is what happened to St. Paul on his way to Damascus. He was on his way to arrest Christians there when he was struck down by a blinding light and he heard a voice. The voice called him by name and asked, why do you persecute me? Paul heard, I'm Jesus, the one you persecute. He then gets an instruction about what to do next and he does it. God then spoke to a man in Damascus, Ananias, who was sent to minister to Paul. Ananias came into the house where Paul was staying and told him, I come in the name of the Lord Jesus. Clearly, Ananias was confident. He had heard God's voice, and he knew what to do because of it. It's in the Bible. God speaks. 
In fact, God interrupts the lives of those he speaks to to make sure that they do hear and that they do act as God wants them to. God is amidst their lives in intimate ways that makes a difference and have made them different. And God is available to them inside the contours of their lives when they need that presence. And most importantly, it's a presence they can trust in and one they can depend upon. They speak to God, God listens, and God responds. And even more pointedly, God pushes the constraints of their lives out of the way and he directs them. And it's certainly not limited to the scriptures. The great saints talk about an awareness of God in their lives. In fact, they talk about it in a way that most of us envy. They speak and God speaks back to them. St. Francis, St. Ignatius, Mother Teresa, and dozens of others, all of them had encounters with the voice of God that changed their lives and directed them to the work that they undertook. It still happens, or at least, you know, people tell us that it happens. I can't tell you the number of those who've talked to me about their encounter with God and God's direction in their lives. It seems for them to be immediate and powerful and pointed when they talk about what God has said and has done for them. In fact, it's a little embarrassing about how some people talk about God's conversation with them as if God were about as accessible and common as the neighbor next door. They come out of mass or out of a prayer meeting and deliver the news to us about what God has told them. With sunny smiles and certain convictions, they seem to know without question where they should go and what they should do. It's really amazing. We might not think it's all that common because we haven't actually experienced it, but it is an important element of our belief and practice. We are God's people. Why would we think God would not deign to speak with us? Of course, we can put all this down to overactive imaginations. We all know when it comes to religion, people's creative delusions can go into overdrive. What some people regard as God's voice can be as common as the voice of their own desires or perhaps their own fears speaking to them. In this line, there was a book written about oh, 40 years ago by a man named Julian Jaynes with the infelicitous title, The Origins of Consciousness in the Breakdown of the Bicameral Mind. Now, what Jaynes had in mind was uh, getting to the fact that in ancient literature, people heard voices which they attributed to God, and they followed the directions and the guidance that they received. At the same time in ancient literature, there was no description of the sense of the interior voice in a person, the narration that we're aware of inside of our heads as we go about our day-to-day living. So the author proposed that this absence of mention was proof that people had not yet developed an interior voice. He thought that since our brains are divided into two lobes, ancient people were hearing one side of the brain talk to the other side. They thought it was a voice from the outside, a voice that could only come from God, but in his opinion, it was no more than brain processes flowing from one side of the brain to the other. Now, it's true. It's a little far out, and his idea turned out to be a flash in the pan. His book was one of those books fun to read and talk about with other people who'd read it, but it was about as likely as books about pyramids and Atlantis and alien visitations. But it's one reminder that the voice of God is always a little fugitive, always a little hard to get a hold of when it happens, even when we know for certain it has happened to us. We can hear and respond, but it's a little tough to know what we're hearing and how to evaluate it. So if you're wanting to grow in your relationship to God and you want to find out how this intimacy with God might develop more fully, 
If you want to know how God might speak to you, there are a couple of things to keep in mind, along with a couple of habits to cultivate. Before we get to those, we'll take a little break. I'd like to mention our premier sponsor, McLaren's Pantry. You can speak with Kathy Busson there about your catering needs. She's at 405-348-2336, or go by and see her at 3414 South Boulevard in Edmond. Back in just a minute. Welcome back, Oklahoma, to Living Catholic. Father Don Wolf, pastor at St. Eugene in Oklahoma City. We're talking about a couple of things that we need to be aware of when we talk about listening to God's voice. The first is obvious to anybody who's had any experience of the life of faith, and it is this. God speaks to us in a variety of ways. Sometimes, of course, it could be a, a word that comes to us, and it sounds like a person speaking to us out loud right into our ears. It does happen. It's real and it's powerful. It's rare, but its rarity doesn't keep it from being off the table when we begin to consider our lives and our circumstances. And I can tell you, it happened to me. This was when I was in the seminary, my second year, and I was finishing college. The next year, I would go on to graduate school to study theology, and I was considering where I might be able to go. It wasn't my decision, but the archbishop's. But I kept wondering if maybe I could arrange to go somewhere else, somewhere exotic. What I'd really fixed on was going to school in Belgium. A number of Oklahomans had gone there over the years. I thought it might be a good place for me to go. So I spoke with the vocations director and tried to get those advising the archbishop to see things my way. And eventually, in the year uh, 1977, in April, I received the news. I was going to go to Belgium the following year for the next four years to study theology. I was pleased with myself, but as soon as I heard the news, I felt odd. I kept wrestling with this sense that I had that that although it was what I had sought to do, I didn't know if it was something I really ought to do. So when I went to bed after several sleepless hours, I said in prayer, God, you know how much I love you. And I heard in the silence of the night a voice as real as the voice of one of my roommates, and it said to me, how much? That's when all my resistance collapsed and I saw and understood what I hadn't wanted to see and to say yes to. I wanted to go to Belgium, but only because it was exotic and different, not really because I wanted to become a better priest or to prepare for a wholesome priesthood. God really does speak, and when the word is heard, it's powerful. At least it was for me. Now, it's not just a matter of an intuition or a feeling or a sense, nor is it solely a matter of a great spiritual moment. You know, it just happens. Many times it's an experience that's not looked for. The one who hears isn't necessarily hunting for something special, or neither is he wanting to become somebody different or distinct. It's something that just happens. God, after all, does the choosing. God reaches out to accomplish his will directly. It was this way with Mother Teresa. God intervened to form her life and to direct her ministry, for example. Now, so sometimes God speaks and it is a direct and loud voice. The next thing to know is that God also speaks through the scriptures. The scriptures are the word of God. They're written for us, for us to receive the message of God in the midst of our situation, where we are. 
The whole range of possibilities for life and vocation are there in the Bible. It's not surprising that God would speak to us in this collection of works from across the years. Of course, there is the difficult and dangerous practice of having a question in your heart and then just opening the Bible and picking a passage as if the best way to seek the will of God is through blind chance. Don't do that. But there are messages that do come to us in the words given to us. It's the word of God in words, and those words are for us. And it's inexhaustively open to the needs and the questions of our lives. So if you're hurting, for example, Paul has a lot to say about the meaning of hurt. If you've lost somebody, the description of what Jesus did when he lost his friend is a message to us. When we wonder what our lives mean, there's an endless amount of advice in the Psalms. The Word speaks to us. But most of all, the Scriptures are the open door to the presence of Jesus, who is the Word of God. The Scripture assures us that Jesus accompanies us in our lives. We can turn to him with the expectation that there will be a response to our needs because he's with us and he's for us. Because of his presence, we know that there is someone there, and we have the expectation that God listens, and when he listens, he answers. What reason would there be to ask if we never expected God to answer? The next thing to pay attention to is in knowing that God speaks to us in the voice of other people. That sounds a little like a kind of weasley evasion, as if we're saying God isn't really speaking at all. But it is the truth that God can speak to us directly, except that we're not hearing God speaking uh, from the scriptures or from the heavens. We're hearing God speaking to us through the words of another person. We're reminded of this often in all the reflections there are about obedience in the church. Obedience and authority exists in every part of the church and in every church because you couldn't have a gathering larger than about 10 people before you have to have guidelines and directions about how people ought to act and what they ought to do. And when another is placed in authority over us, legitimately and really, we can expect that God would speak in the voice of that person over us in authority. And so often we're hearing God's will for us in the voice of those who have authority over us. If they say no, then it's no. If they say yes, well, then it's yes. There aren't any mystical feelings involved, but the depth of mystery is the same. God speaks in their voice. If we do believe God is present in the life of the church, that God is real and has founded and guarded his church, then we can believe that God does want to guide and protect it. And it's not guidance and protection in some distant and abstract way. God speaks in and through the life of his church today by the way of the people in it which means that God speaks to us about our concerns right here and right now through those who have been entrusted with authority. Now, this is a dicey thing because this aspect of hearing God's voice is a smaller part of a larger issue, which is the issue of discernment. Discernment is listening and evaluating what we're hearing so that we know what to do and how to act. After all, we're not slaves, and God didn't design us to be robots. We're human people who have minds and hearts when we hear, we don't just get up and do as if everything in our lives uh, bypassed our heads. Hearing means that we're listening, and hearing, hearing just notes that there's a sound or a message that we've heard. Listening means that we strive to make sense out of what we heard and what it means. We're always required to weigh what we hear and see 
and to see if it makes sense and is a real message for us. Even if it is the voice out of the night speaking directly to us, just like with any voice, we have to ask whether it's for us, whether we should pay attention to it, and whether it means anything. Think of the time when Jesus spoke directly to St. Paul on the road to Damascus. The people on the road, they all also heard the voice speaking, but the words were directed at Paul. None of the rest of the people on the journey interrupted their journey like Paul did. It was for him. They didn't have to. The voice and the message wasn't for them. They heard and they listened, but they determined they were overhearing. The words were for him, not for them. We have to do the same. We have to make the same kind of decision. Once, um, several years ago, I came out of a ministerial alliance meeting at my first parish as a young pastor came up to me. He'd only been in the ministry a year and had only been in his current church a few months, but he was desperate to talk to somebody. I'd been ordained a grand total of about a year and a half, but I guess he figured I'd do. So he took me off to the side and he asked me, what do you do when a member of your parish tells you that she's been talking to God and God has told her to tell you to do this or that? What do you do about that? I thought it was funny, and I said, you know, we've worked out a very sophisticated way to understand that message. And I said, you know, we have authority in the church, and it exists just for that reason, so that we have the chance to make sense out of what we hear and what others tell us. Of course, authority contains with it no guarantee that the one with authority will be infallible. No pastor, no spiritual director, no confessor, no principal is always right. So we have to weigh their words. But it is the case that often God's word comes to us through them, through those in authority over us, and rightly so. Now, there's another way also that God speaks to us as well. It's easier to describe than to label. So I'll share with you a story from C.S. Lewis and the journey of his conversion. For years, Lewis had been struggling with the notion of God and God's gift. He had resisted as hard as he could, but he was beginning to see that his convictions were just as unreasonable as any leap of faith would be. But with all of this, he just couldn't cross the gap into belief. Then, he described, one day he got on the bus, a firm unbeliever. When he got off, he believed. He described himself as the most reluctant convert in all of Christendom. God had spoken to him, but it was in the language of his deliberation and his intellect It's real and true speaking, and it made all the difference for him, but it was as undramatic as a proof in geometry. God speaks to us. He comes to us in our concerns and our problems. When we call upon him, and even when we don't, God's words to us are real messages for our real lives. And this is for real people like you and me. For that, we should be grateful. God doesn't just speak in the Bible and then just disappear somehow. God continues to inform his church and move his people as much now as in any other time in history. And just one more caveat. When God speaks, there's no guarantee that we're going to like what we hear. I have another story about that, too. About 15 years ago, I was invited to take over the running of the National Pastoral Life Center in New York City. I was ecstatic about the possibility, both the possibility of making the center into something great, as well as the possibility of moving to New York. I asked the archbishop. He said yes to my interviewing, and I was on my way. 
I flew to New York for the interview, which was a formality. That was a Thursday. Friday morning, I sat on the edge of my bed in my hotel room before I went in to see the board of directors. And I said to myself, everything from now on will be different. God is leading me in this direction. So I interviewed. I, it was great. I flew home. And then I heard nothing. Finally, a month later, I called to find out that they had gotten somebody else. It was crushing. So I sat in the chapel in my parish asking how I could have heard all those yeses until I heard that resounding no. And the message came to me. God, who could have called me to New York, called me to stay in Oklahoma. It was clear and certain, no matter how disappointing it was, I had to live with it. God still speaks. We don't always like what he has to say. But God does wish to be a part of our lives, to move and to act and to exercise the power at work among us. That's the promise which is more powerful than any single word or any soul message we might receive. God is at work in our lives. God is restless for us to know and to acknowledge that work. God is there. He's there if you'd like to speak to him, because he will indeed speak with you. Back in just a moment. Welcome back to our final segment, Faith in Verse. We have a poem today called, Were It a New Day? If I were to begin again, says the pressed and urgent man, if I were to begin again, I'd push against what I can. If I were to begin again, I'd leave behind the story. If I were to begin again, I'd abandon the constant worry. If I were to begin again, the world would be bright and shiny If I were to begin again, I'd shed the plaints, teared and whiny. If I were to begin again, I'd begin as a whole new man. If I were to begin again, I'd do more, much more of what I can. If I were to begin again, I'd have a new life, a new mind. If I were to begin again, I'd work to unlearn, unbind. If I were to begin again, I'd strive to be free, unbound. If I were to begin again... I'd have to be finally found. That's a poem called Were It a New Day. You know, we're in the middle of Lent, and Lent is a time when we begin to excavate a little of the things that have surrounded us. Sometimes they, in fact, have almost buried us. It's the time when we have a chance to clarify just exactly what it is that uh, we're up to and where it is that we're going. So make this Lent a time. It's not too late. Any time is a time to begin Lenten discipline, an opportunity for prayer, for almsgiving, and for sacrifice, a chance to orient our lives in the direction of Christ uh, among us, in the direction of what God wants for our lives. So think of this. We always focus on the opportunity for prayer, and given the desire of God to speak to us, take a moment in your day where you sit down and simply uh, offer to God 
whatever the content of your life is that day, whatever it is, whether you're happy or sad, whether you're distracted, whether you're concerned or afraid, simply offer that and wait for God to speak. Oftentimes, in fact, I'm I'm convinced God speaks as often now as ever in history if we just take the time to listen. In a world full of noise, sometimes it's hard to hear the voice that speaks really and truly. It just speaks from the inside, and we have a hard time pausing long enough to hear it. What we want to do on Living Catholic is give everyone the opportunity to explore a little bit of what lies at our feet, the experience of what it means to be a living Catholic. I hope in the weeks to come you can join us. See you then. Living Catholic is a production of Blue Cardinal Concepts, copyright 2017.